0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to connect with pastor and author Sam Alberry. Sam serves with Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries and also as an editor for the Gospel Coalition. Along with speaking and teaching around the world, Sam has written a number of books, including his latest, Seven Myths About Singleness. On this week's episode, Sam and I tackle an important topic that everyone, regardless of your marital status, should take the time to better understand, and that is singleness and ministry. Sam shares some of the challenges of being a single pastor, as well as many advantages that he and others have experienced. We address the myth that singleness hinders ministry and touch on the posture we all should have as we lead a ministry, whether we are single or married. It's such a helpful dialogue, so won't you please join me in my conversation with Sam Alberry. Sam, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am so excited that you're able to join us um, all the way from the UK, brother. It's my
0: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, now Sam, let's, let's talk about a topic Um, that you know quite well because you've been living it out for many years, and that is singleness in ministry. It seems like uh, the church world, at least the Protestant church world, there's almost this unspoken agreement uh, that a pastor should somehow be married, right? Or, Or maybe if the pastor's fresh out of Bible college or fresh out of seminary, then they at least need to be almost married, you know, moving in that direction. Uh, and this is one of those myths that you address in your, your newest book, Seven Myths About Singleness. So Sam, my first question is, um, why is this idea of pastors being married, or they should be married in some way, so pervasive?
0: Yeah, um, it's it, in one sense, it's very understandable. Paul, um, in, both in First Timothy and Titus, talks about a pastor being the husband of but one wife. So there's... At the very least, Paul is expecting that to be the normal case for for pastors. Um, The issue is whether that's an expectation or whether that's a requirement. And I think most churches wouldn't say it's officially a requirement, but unofficially it kind of is, because I think most people would think, well, we want our pastor to be married because uh, in some cases, you know, if there's lots of families in the church, we want the pastor to be a family man himself so he can properly relate to and minister to families in the church. Others might be thinking, well, if he's married, we get two for the price of one because we'll get his wife and she'll help and be a sort of unpaid uh, staff member also. (laughs) Um, And I think some people just have this idea that if, if you're single, particularly after the usual sort of age at which people would have got married, there might be something a bit wrong with you. Mm. And therefore we're not. So, um, there's a whole host of reasons I think why people um, expect or want or require a pastor to be married. Um, so I think those are those are the main ones. Yes.
1: Yeah, Sam. Let's um, let's talk about uh, you brought up scripture because people often lean on scripture, um, and again, oftentimes this isn't like a formal conversation. But imagine even pastors listening in right now, um, those uh, who might be lead pastors who have been, you know, have have been looking for, you know, candidates for uh, youth ministry or worship ministry, you know, one of the things they probably thought about is, you know, hey, you know, looking for a a, a pastor who is married or maybe has a family, as you mentioned. And oftentimes in conversations that, that I've been a part of, again, kind of informally, there's kind of this leaning on Scripture, uh, like you said, Paul's writings, about why a minister um, should be married. Can you kind of dig a little more into... You know what Scripture says about it, and how that kind of uh, kind of sets up maybe some of these thoughts that that people are having.
0: Yeah, so Paul again in in Timothy and Titus um, amongst the requirements, and he, he talks about for pastors that there's got to be um, proven character and proven gifting. And under character, it mentions things like self control, not given to drunkenness, um, not given to anger and all those all those sorts of things not greedy um it it does mention being the husband of but one wife and so at the very least paul is saying they've got to be faithful in their marriage um so it's i think in, in the greek it's literally a, a one woman man so someone who is faithful uh, with regard to his own marriage now some would take that and say well therefore he has to be married um that that stipulation mean you know can't be met if someone's unmarried um i don't think paul is is insisting that people must be married in order to be pastors in the church because in the same passages paul talks about how their children must be obedient and respectful so if we're going to apply the same logic then not only must the pastor be married uh, but must have kids and because Paul says children in the plural, he must have more than one more than one child. So, if we're going to take the logic that single people can't be pastors, then we, we need to also say that childless married pastors um, can't be pastors, hmm. and also that those who have only got one child can't be a pastor. And I don't think many of us would would go there, but it's the same. It's the very same principle. So I think a better understanding is that Paul is not requiring marriage, he's simply expecting it and saying in your marriage you've got to be a faithful married guy rather than you have to be married um, and obviously the, the, the test saying you know you're, you're, you've got to manage your own household well how you do manage your, your marriage, manage your children, handle those leadership responsibilities, lead that family unit is going to be indicative of your leadership gifting and your effectiveness so there's that side of things is missing when a pastor's single but there's still I think other ways to measure someone's suitability to church leadership even if they don't have a family of their own. I think what this is this is an area one of many areas where there are some differences between the UK church and the US church so we've had for many years just well-known examples of single pastors we've had john we had john stott for many decades Mm -hmm. um similar generation a man called dick lucas now in his 90s a very faithful man one of the great preachers of the second half of the 20th century Um, we've got contemporary examples like Vaughan roberts in in oxford so we've we've never been short of actually Elder statesmen within the evangelical world here who have been single and many married as well. But it means we've always had that that category and that concept in the UK church of that some some pastors are single and It it doesn't necessarily hinder their ministry being single Um, Some of our great leaders have been single. So It's not an argument for saying hey singleness must be better. They must be single. It's simply Mm -hmm. to say um, they can be single and be very effective in ministry. It's not ultimately their marital status which qualifies or disqualifies. It's their their character, their gifting, their, their temperament, and, and all, all those other things.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's fascinating. It's very interesting, as, you, as you've shared, that in the UK you've had some really strong godly examples of of single pastors and, and ministers. Because um, here in the US, um, we know they're out there, but but by and large – um, there tends to be more of a focus on, on you know, married couples, um, pastoring and leading, or you know, the family, the family sense of that. So that's pretty fascinating.
0: It is, and yeah. I've I've only met very few single pastors in America. I've had to really mm-hmm. cast the net quite wide because I was just curious to know if there were many, and there, in my experience, there there have been very, very few. There's there's one guy I know who's just been appointed the the senior pastor of a church of a, i think a couple of thousand people and that's that's the first case i know of someone who is pastoring what would qualify as a mega church right. who's single um, but i think that's very unusual in america yeah and, definitely you know I've, I've, it's not the kind of thing i'm constantly losing sleep over but i i do think it's it's a concern and i've sometimes said to to, to churches you would Happily have Paul as your apostle, but you wouldn't have him as your pastor, <laughs> and that to me sounds a bit weird. Right. So, um, and Paul did function as a pastor. He in many of the places where he planted churches, he would stay sometimes for two or three years to right. teach and to build up to, to kind of get the church established. So it's not as if Paul didn't ever have that role himself.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's that's good. One of the things, Sam, that um is is kind of a big question again. Something that I've I've heard. In regard to the idea of being a single pastor, is kind of the question around: Can someone who is single adequately minister to someone who is married? Right, and and I know there there's <laughs> there's a lot packed in there because we think, well, Jesus was actually single, so you know it's kind of hard to argue that. You know, you've got Paul's example, but but I mean, it's it's just kind of a, a feeling I think more that people have: like, how can you really minister? Because you really don't know what I'm going through, type of a thing. What what would you say to to that question?
0: I think I would say it's a it's a valid question, but it, it should never be a determining question. Mm. Um, because how much of someone else's life experience do you need to share in order to be a faithful pastor? And it may well be, you know, well, a married couple might be going through a particular problem that is actually very different from anything their married pastor has experienced so the fact that he's married doesn't necessarily mean he gets it and he gets what they're going through so many you know i've been a pastor for long enough to see just how different marriages can be right and so the fact of being married doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have you know a a really good understanding of of lots of the issues that other married people are going to go through you might have kids and yet be pastoring married couples who are struggling to have kids. Um, you might have kids who don't have the same behavioural issues or challenges as some of the people that you're pastoring. So on every front, there's going still going to be significant differences just because our, our lives are so different. And just as me being single doesn't mean I understand the experience of every single person in my church. Um, right. I don't know what it's like to be widowed. Um, I don't know what it's like to, to have been to be divorced. So there's, there's a whole host of experiences of, of singleness. I can't enter into, I don't know what it's like to be a single woman right? and to, to feel the, the pressure of, of the kind of, you know, biological clock and all those sorts of things. So I think that the, the bottom line with all of these things, what, what qualifies us aside from the character issues that Paul mentions and the gifting issues is, is not that we've trod exactly the same path as the people we're pastoring, though that can help if we have, but it's actually we, we're able to bring people under the voice of the Good Shepherd. That is the best pastoring we can do. Mm. And so it's it's God who pastors through his word as we teach and pass it on to others. And they don't need to hear my wisdom and my take. They read, I mean, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... I'm only qualified to speak in as much as I'm teaching the scriptures. And if I'm teaching the scriptures in a way that is, I'm seeking to understand as best I can the lives that I'm speaking into. If I'm speaking the word of God faithfully into the lives of the people in my church, then actually it doesn't matter if they're at a completely different stage of life to me or they've been through things I can't even begin to imagine. There's always enough common humanity for us to be able to relate at a very basic level of we we know what it's like to be fallen, we know what it's like to be sinful, um, we know what it's like to be fearful or whatever it might be. In a generalized sense, we we share enough to be able to relate, but we don't have to. We don't have to have been through what someone else has been through in order to be a really effective pastor to them. And thank goodness, otherwise we'd have a very very tight and small circle of people we could ever pastor if that was the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, Sam. Let me ask you this, Sam. In, in your experience over the years as a pastor, what have been—and we'll ask both sides of this—so I'm going to ask, what have been some of the biggest challenges um, that you face as a pastor who is single? But then I also want to make sure we get to what, what are maybe some of the advantages you know, that, you've, that you've experienced. So let's start with challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges that, that you face because of a singleness in ministry?
0: I think there are there are one or two that immediately spring to mind. Um, there there can be a measure of isolation. Um, mm. Any any leadership role, in one sense, has some. There there is some sense in which it isolates you a bit. Right. Um, being a a leader within a church means that you are still. You're still a member of the church. You're still a fellow believer alongside the, the flock of the church. But your very role also separates you to some extent, and that can mean that you you want to have genuine friendships within the, the church family. But it, it can mean that there are certain things that it's going to be less easy to share in your life with people that actually you are you have some kind of spiritual authority over. And there's there's a sort of a balance there of you. You don't want to be people a pastor who shares nothing of of his personal life, but you. There are certain things which it just won't work to share with with your your own church family, and if you're married, that that is mitigated against by the very fact that you have a a spouse and someone that you can download certain things to about church, certain problems, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So one way I found to help with that is just to make sure I've got some good strong friendships from outside the church and if there are particular trials or challenges um those are those are the friends i will lean on the most but that that can be difficult in the church um that sense of slightly being separate i think the other challenges and this this is also a function of of personality type is so much of church life takes place at evenings and weekends and this is one of the advantages. We'll come to, but as a single person, you have more capacity, you have more flexibility, a bit more availability. But the danger I've seen both—I've seen that with me—and I've seen it with with a number of other single people in ministry—is you can quickly use up your relational capacity for that week
1: mm.
0: doing ministry. And then when it comes to the day off, you really need you need you know if you're particularly if you're a bit more introverted, you need time out from people. And the, the danger with that is if that becomes a weekly pattern, um, it means you're not actually investing in relationships and friendships of your own. And you can be spending all of your relational energy on ministry, right? Um, but not actually cultivating the kind of healthy friendships and community that you need as a as a human being, Um so I've seen that and, and sometimes it can mean, you know, typically if you're a married pastor and especially if your you're, your wife is not working on, on your regular day off, she doesn't have a job or something, you've you've got a, a built-in person to, to take your day off with. Um, if you're single and you have a midweek day off, it's sometimes difficult to find people who are around. If you're single, it typically means you've got to plan ahead. You're not just you know, if you want to spend time with someone on your day, if that has to be planned and arranged and organized and thought about in advance. So it's just easier for that kind of side of life to to slip through a bit and for there to be sort of a loneliness. I've seen in some cases people really struggling with, with some mental health issues, I think, largely because that side of things has not been carefully guarded and carefully cultivated. And so I think one of the one of the obligations for a church looking after a pastor is to make sure they are getting that the healthy balance of life right and that they're not just thinking, well, let's, let's get as much out of you during the week as we possibly can, but actually let's make sure we're guarding the time that you need to be building friendships and having that relational time as well. So yeah. I know some churches do this differently. Some churches I, I know will give their... That they might give their singles a different a bit more flexibility with which day off they take so that it, it can fall on a weekend more easily or give them maybe a bit more flexibility with evenings off but something that just gives them a bit more time to be seeing other people and, and building friendships that that can be a real that can be a real issue
1: yeah 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 that, that's good Sam and, and I'm glad that you you talked through that because in ministries as you said in ministry um, if you're in any sort of ministry leadership, um, there is just this natural kind of isolation because people, uh, as much as we don't want them to view us necessarily differently, and or they may not want to, they do. They view their pastor differently than you know just someone else um, in their life. So, so there's already kind of that bit of isolation. But as you're saying, with being single and in ministry, you have that isolation, and then in some of those those times where you have the, the freedom to, to um, Sabbath or to, to rest or you know, to, to enjoy time, you don't necessarily always have that built-in ability if, if you have you know a, a spouse or kids or whomever um, that kind of just kind of falls into that gap. You, know, you don't have to think, but you, as, a, as a single pastor, you need to be thinking ahead, you need to be very intentional so that you don't get yourself in a position where you feel ever more isolated, right? I
0: think so. And and part of the problem with that isolation is it's invisible and people often don't, can't see it because in ministry you are around people a lot.
1: Yes, yes. So they
0: can't possibly be lonely because you're constantly around people and you are, but it's often in ministry contexts and church meetings where it's not the same kind of, I can just completely be myself and fully exhale like you can with your own family. Yeah. and with your closer friends. So it's making sure that that side of life is being protected and cultivated. And, yeah, that you know, if that if that is left unattended, it, it can mean that actually the, the rest of life gets affected as well. So right. it's, uh, you know, if we don't rest well, we won't work effectively. Definitely. So it's, it's something churches need to be, certainly need to be attentive to.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, Sam. How about some of the uh, some of the advantages that you have found as a single pastor?
0: Yeah, I think um, these these aren't surprising because they're the very ones Paul mentions in in First Corinthians chapter seven. Um, but we, we you're pulled in fewer directions. So Paul talks about the single person being able to their devotion to the Lord being undivided. He talks about that in First Corinthians seven. I think it's verse thirty five off the top of my head. Um, And what he means by that isn't that you're you're somehow, you know, spiritually compromised by being married or having a family or anything like that. He's just simply stating that the fact of life, that if you are unmarried, you have greater flexibility. Uh, You can be more wholehearted and single minded in your devotion to Christ. Um, You're not being split between quite as many obligations as you would be if you were married, as you should be if you're married. And I've, I've certainly found that, myself. It gives me, again, it gives me a different kind of capacity than if I was married. Um, it, it can, I can be more flexible. It's, it's easier for me to drop everything if I need to, um, than it would be for a married colleague. Oftentimes, um, I can be out more evenings a week. Um, again, there's a, there's a danger with that if I'm not, cultivating friendships of my own. Right. But all those things, you know, or helping with retreats and all that kind of stuff, it's easier to be away. Um, they're not people I'm neglecting in my home if I'm leading more weekends away or retreats and that kind of thing. So from that point of view, there is that, there is that flexibility and trying to move a family versus trying to move an individual are very different things. And particularly with, with pastors who have younger children and there's more hands-on parenting that is going on on a daily basis, they're, they're going to be rightly constrained by that. And it's just easier if you're single to be able to – there are different ways that you can serve. There will be things that you can do that a married colleague can't do.
1: Right. So that would be,
0: yeah. be one advantage. So you're just more the, agile, the which, right? I was going to say the other advantage is the counterintuitive one, which is that actually – I have found being single in a church with a lot of families and married people actually sometimes that makes me more approachable for people who are struggling with married life or with parenting than if I was married one of the things I've I've sometimes seen is that people feel able to open up to me precisely because I'm not married mm. they're not going to feel as though I'm comparing their marriage to mine, or I'm judging how they're raising their kids compared to how I've raised mine, yeah. or all those kinds of dynamics. Because we take we take these things so incredibly personally. If someone makes a different decision about their child raising philosophy than than you do, that can often be felt to be a criticism of you as a parent. Which means yes, you know, we we, we all these things are freighted with so much significance whether you do this type of schooling or that type of schooling as a single person i'm in one sense i'm i'm entirely neutral or at least perceived as neutral on a whole host of issues and so i've had people say actually i feel like i can talk to you about this because you're not married and i don't feel as insecure that you're going to be judging me for sharing how badly my marriage is going because yours goes really well or something. Right, right. So it's interesting. That is counterintuitive, and it it surprised me. Um, that's, That's another advantage. A further one is that I think there is an opportunity in pulpit ministry to be speaking into certain aspects of marriage and family life as a single person that there are certain things you can say as a single person that would be hard to say if you were married um, if I need to You know the issue of, of How marriage can become an idol or how the nuclear family can become an idol? Those are easier things to speak into if you're single because sometimes if you're married People are just going to read into that. Oh, he must be having a hard time at home Or mm. you know something like that or he must think his marriage is amazing, right? So there's an asymmetry there there are things I can say as a single person to a married congregation that it wouldn't be the case for a married person speaking to single people in his congregation it's um it's not a level playing field <laughs> yeah yeah so those are those are certain advantages as well
1: that's good sam yeah and i can definitely see that and as you're saying that uh, my mind went to um you know as a as a pastor uh, for those of you are listening you're pastoring a church week in week out and then you might have a special speaker an evangelist or someone come in and and speak on a weekend that person can say things that you as as the pastor can't you know they, they can come in and, and speak to some things that are more challenging for you as a pastor who's there week in, week out, can speak to. And, and I see that kind of in the same way, Sam, as you're talking about being single, there are certain things that you can preach and teach about and speak into much more easily and even, and uh, it, it would seem, um, could be heard more clearly because there are other layers you know, in between that communication, you know, there, like you said, there aren't people sitting there thinking, "Okay, he just said this. Um, what's he? What's he? You know, what's that mean about what, what is? Uh, you know, his marriage. How is marriage is going right now? You know, what I mean, yeah. so there's not those other kind of things to trip people up, whereas you can speak kind of more clearly on on some of those points. That's that's uh, that's excellent. Something I hadn't really thought through until kind of reading your book, and then you just kind of sharing that. So. Very fascinating to, to think through because I think so often, um, and I'm speaking from, uh, you know, American culture here in the U.S., so often there tends to be this, well, if you're single, you can't really, you know, speak into a lot of these issues that we're dealing with as uh, parents or as, you know, uh, a married couple. So very fascinating to and think the, through. Yeah,
0: it is. And the problem with that mindset is it, it misunderstands ministry
1: because mm,
0: it, it, it implies your— the usefulness of your words comes out of your own experience rather than out of the scriptures.
1: Right. And that's dangerous. So if someone yeah.
0: says someone says, you know, you don't understand my situation, my answer is I probably don't, to a significant extent. But our God does. And right. our we you know we have a high priest who's not unable to sympathize. And therefore that's why I teach his word and not my word <laughs> when it comes to right. a Sunday sermon. So you don't need me to fully understand. And I will, I will seek to as much as I can, of course. Um, and there's the, the necessity of being a good listener and trying to understand as much of people's lives and situations as we possibly can. But all of that is so that we can bring the words of Jesus to people. Um, he's the good shepherd. So... The last thing anyone on planet Earth needs is the thoughts and wisdom of Sam.
1: Right. Um, right.
0: That's right. not going to help anyone. And so, therefore, it doesn't. Once it doesn't matter what I've experienced. Um, what matters is that I, I know what it's like to be a fellow sheep, and that I'm able to bring all of us under the voice of the Good Shepherd because he will lead us, and he does understand more than we understand our own experience. Right. Which is wonderful reassuring
1: definitely you know it's interesting sam as you're talking i I was even kind of thinking through that for those who are let's say who are married and um as as a pastor and you're uh talking to someone about and they're married you're talking about marriage right there is just a i think it's human nature kind of just a i don't know if temptation is the right word maybe tendency tendency maybe to rely upon uh, you know, you're, you're thinking back to an experience in your own marriage, right? And and sometimes that's helpful because you can talk through, hey, this is what. But sometimes you might rely more on what you've experienced, you know, rather than you know how is God at work in this couple's marriage at this point, right? And and what, where is God yeah, leading I mean. us and guiding us? So so almost um, you and and other single pastors, you have freedom from that because you are not you know thinking back to okay how would i how did we navigate this when we were young married right you know what i mean or whatever um, you can you can kind of hone in on like you said the voice of the shepherd and and what, how's god speaking in where's the spirit guiding and directing so
0: and that's that's a problem for all of us because it, the danger is we'll think if we've had any type of experience that even remotely approximates what it sounds like someone else is going through, the danger is we think, oh, oh, I know how to, I know how this works. Yes. And what I, what I did is obviously the way to do it. And it may be an entirely different situation right. or just the fact that people are so very different means that a different person in the same set of circumstances may need quite a different word of wisdom. Yes. So again, our, our experience helps us to some extent because there's there's a universality to the christian life we we know what all of us have battles all of us have hopes all of us experience that the groaning of romans eight the pain of trying to put to death the deeds of the flesh the yearnings for the life that is to come all of those dynamics are common to all of us so the baseline level we understand what we need to understand but um the particulars may be so very very different and that's Actually that's great because it means I can learn from other people because precisely because what they're going through is different mm. to what I'm used to but all of us are learning from the Lord that's the key thing
1: that's right that's good hey sam um i'm sure that there are people listening in today that find themselves um they are single and they are in ministry um and, and maybe they've they've you know have some some way you know people have made them possibly feel inadequate or um, you know, they're they're kind of struggling with this idea. What encouragement do you do you have for those who are in ministry and are single?
0: I, I suspect most of the ways we struggle are are ways in which anyone should, would probably be struggling in ministry, just because we're we're not up to it. Of course, we're not. It's it's beyond us. Um, we are very, 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 very junior under shepherds serving the master shepherd and all of us should have that sense of feeling as though we're we're in way over our heads because we can't save a soul, uh, we can't bring people to repentance, we can't convict people of their sins. It's all the Lord's work and, and there's a sense in which that's utterly overwhelming and another sense in which that's really quite liberating. Um, it's such a huge responsibility that if anyone is thinking, "Yeah, I've got this nailed," and there's they're walking around with a lot of swagger, I'm worried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want pastors to feel a sense of what am I doing here? How did you know this is this is crazy that I'm I'm serving in this role? Um, so I think for for single pastors, there may be some additional reasons why why they would be struggling in their ministry but the fact is all of us should struggle to some extent and and yet feel that assurance that actually the lord is the shepherd himself this is his flock, not ours he bears ultimate responsibility not us it's his word not ours and our job is to be faithful and my favorite scripture at the moment for christian ministry is the the parable of the growing seed because i love the fact that it shows us there are, there are two things that we can do if we really believe the power is in the word, in the seed of the word. The first is that we we will sow the word. We won't be sowing our own thoughts. We will be sowing the word of God. But the other application from that parable is it means we can sleep. Mm. It's, not all on, it's not all on us. The, it's the word that does the work. Um, our job is to sow that word, to teach it faithfully and carefully, diligently, prayerfully. But then we can sleep, and that's okay, because it is the, the word that is going to do that work. Luther famously talked about, you know, the Reformation happened whilst he drank beer. It was, you know, it was the gospel that was doing the work of of the Reformation. He was, in one sense set it off and then stood back and just watched it happen. But I, I, I just want to give that reassurance to to tired, stressed out pastors, particularly those who are more prone to being very activist, that actually that the work of the kingdom is going to be fine if you take an evening off. <laughs> um, you know, the word will to carry on doing its work that it, it doesn't need you, you know, a farmer doesn't need to go out to the crop and to keep, you know, if I just yell at the seed, maybe it will grow a bit quicker or something. <laughs> we we just let the seed do its work, and we work hard at sowing it, and yet we can rest because it's God's work and not ours. There's to me that's that's such a wonderful uh, liberating thing. Otherwise, we would feel so crushed by the needs, crushed by the burden, right. crushed by the sheer amount there is to do, and we're never done. We're never close to being done. So at times I think we need to evidence our faith in the Word of God by resting.
1: Mm. That's good. It's encouraging word, brother. Sam, this has been such a great conversation. Certainly appreciate it. If someone listening today would like to learn uh, learn more about your book, Seven Myths About Singleness, or perhaps maybe connect with you and, and your ministry and what you're doing, um, what's the best way they can do that?
0: Well, the, the book is in uh, available in all the, the normal places. Um, and in terms of my ministry, I work with um, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. So if you go to rzim.org, um, there's stuff there. I, I have done a fair bit of writing and speaking for the Gospel Coalition. So tgc.org as well will have more of my uh, resources there. So those would be the places to go.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for being with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. God bless you, brother.
0: God bless you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well.
0: You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.